This week on Excelsior Journeys, it's a very special Election Day episode with these scary times that we are facing as a nation. It is very important to share as many small victories as you possibly can. And my guest this week, author Connor Kaplan, is doing just that with the launch of his book, The Fall is All There Is. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's why I taught myself how to draw. It was actually the Little Mermaid. Drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the car. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in for over 170 episodes. And I'm really looking forward to you tuning in on January 2023 when Excelsior Journeys, as well as nine other podcasts, launch the Once Upon a Podcast Network. It is a collection of 10 shows that are meant for entertaining, inspiring, motivating, celebrating, and even rejuvenating creatives of all kinds. So if you are an author, if you're an artist, if you're a stand-up comic, if you're a filmmaker, whatever the case, you definitely want to start listening to this whole network. The main reason why I am putting that out there is because we are in very unsure times when it comes to our world of politics. We're living in a time that uh, that's got everyone very much on edge. And in fact, when you're listening to this, today is election day, 2022, which is looked at as one of the truly seminal dates that we as a nation are dealing with. It's really going to decide whether we're going to go in this direction or that direction as, as a nation. And it's it's scary times. I can't say that enough. At the same time, though, when you have good news, when you have something to share about accomplishment that you have, whether it is a movie that you've just completed or a manuscript that is making its way around, around agents, or in fact, if you have a book that's ready to come out. You still need to celebrate those moments. You need to get that word out there because – if you're first of all, if you're not going to celebrate your own accomplishments, nobody else will. And also by letting that out there, you're allowing people to think of something positive that's going on right now, something that's not going to give them anxiety, something that's not going to give them this overall sense of doom. So when I saw author C.M. Kaplan, Connor Kaplan, sharing the news about his upcoming novel, The Fall is All There Is, that is currently out now. You can go ahead and get it over on Amazon and all the other booksellers that are out there. He was immediately met with some animosity from at at least one Twitter uh, handle, basically just saying that because of so much that's going on in our nation, that he wasn't he what it it was not the time to celebrate things and i feel just the opposite on that i feel that this is absolutely the time to celebrate things because 
those small victories, those moments of hope, they're not only going to keep us going, but those that are dealing with their own issues, it's going to keep them going too. And so I knew immediately that I had to have Connor Kaplan here to not only discuss his book, but also to basically just allow him some space to celebrate the fact that, hey, he's got a book coming out. And this is a young author. He's 26 and he's already an award-winning author. This is his second book. I'm really excited to hear more about his Excelsior journey as an author. So it gives me pleasure to introduce Connor Kaplan. Connor, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much again for coming on at such short notice. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you inviting me. That meant a lot to me. Like, man, I, I was, there was a lot of noise going on in that whole sort of like thread that was happening there. And I really, I'm really glad like I sort of found you in that whole crowd. Yeah. So was that the, was that the only, was that the only person we're not going to name names here, but was yeah. that the only person that had reached out and, and was basically saying, no, you're, you're bad for celebrating something. I don't think the only person, I think it was a matter of somehow through some alchemy. I'm not sure about like, about, like it started, the tweet started taking off and like not viral, viral, but like it, it was seeing traction in communities. I wasn't that I'm not normally a part of kind of a thing. So I've had some sort of, some like just weirdos that I don't really know about or like they've got something going on that it's like are coming in. But this person was definitely the first. Mm-hmm. And I mean, because usually, with, usually when it comes to this sort of stuff, usually when it when it comes to like social media, once one person says something, then that gives everyone else the green light to just pile on. Yeah, no, that so far has not happened. I, it's so far most people are generally taking my side with this whole thing. There are some people who've actually been really mean to this lady, which kind of makes me feel bad because I just I don't, like I'm. <laughs> I, I feel. I mean, she definitely messed up there, but it's like there are people who are calling her a horrible person. This is clearly a woman who's like very scared and everything. It's like, I mean, he, I I tend to try to be the kind of person who's like here to like ease fear and re- reduce suffering and like. Yeah, I don't, I don't want this yeah. lady to get a lot of heat. You know? No, no, and that's and that's yeah. why you know, like that's that's why we're not we're not naming names or anything like that. Yeah, um, and yeah. once this comes out, this other person, who knows, they might wind up hearing it. But we're not saying that you're a bad person for saying that you are a bad person for for celebrating something. What we're saying is that like everyone needs to just take a breath and realize like, hey, like we're in in this case, I'm we're on. I don't want to say we're on the same team here, but we all want for our nation. We want things to move forward and everything. But at the same time, like. If by turning around and pointing fingers at each other, that's not going to solve anything. That's only going to make things even more divisive. Yeah, there's a thing my godfather says a lot that I try to live by. It's you can either live in the hope or you can live in the fear. And I think living yeah. in the fear is a lo- is really it's a lot easier to do. Living in the hope is a mm-hmm. sort of conscious choice you have to make, and it it life doesn't always make it the easiest choice for you. Yeah. I think it still remains a choice that you have to remember to, to choose every day. And yeah, and that's something that I hope that a lot of you are thinking about after today, after election day, that just like that where we are right now, like this is definitely unprecedented. These are definitely unprecedented times. Yeah, we're sure. seeing, 
we're seeing some we're seeing some very scary tactics being used in order to in order to either maintain a hold on power or first get a hold on on power and yeah, yeah it's scary i'm not going to deny that but i'm also not going to choose to just wallow in fear and anxiety I've been I've been wallowing in fear and anxiety for three years at my and I don't want to do that. This is a time where we have to celebrate these moments, these victories, no matter how insignificant people may think they are. They're there and they need to be celebrated. So tell us about the fall is all there is. It is about let me say a quadruplet named Peter Mercy, who is a part of a family of royals, and when his father dies unexpectedly, there is a a succession crisis when. One of the siblings claimed that since they all came out on the same day, there's no real, there's yeah. no real precedent for who the heir is going to be. And uh, Peter has been he ran away from his family five years ago, and due to everything that w- that has been going on around succession, receives a letter from his siblings saying like You gotta come back. We need you over here." And he doesn't want yeah. to come back, but he's there's like a veiled threat that like they're gonna they're gonna wreck his whole stuff and everything if if he doesn't. So he has to come back and sort of learn to re-engage with the family drama he left behind years ago and try and reconcile this as best he can. Mm-hmm. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And this is a science fiction fantasy story. Yeah. Science. Yeah. It's science fantasy. It's set in like a post-apocalyptic world. that's had like what's called the first and the second annihilation. The first one was a magic apocalypse that like terraformed the world. So you've got like flowers mm-hmm. with teeth and tongues and stuff and weird sort of a, fo- a forest that's like a weird sort of intertwining wicker basket with like trees made of like enamel or like wow. buffalo fur. There's like random cabins with roofs made of thatched baleen and things like that. And then there's the nice. the second apocalypse was a technological one. And, and mm-hmm. that's the one that humanity is sort of building itself out of. And they're tra- basically trying to reverse engineer a lot of the abandoned technology that was left behind long ago. And there's this weird fusion of this weird magical biology of, of this terraformed world and the sort of new tech, the new tech that's being repurposed and they have to figure out how it works and rearrange it. Like there are so, uh, there's one, one of my favorite pieces of weird tech that I made for this book was I called them science swords, which are these swords yeah. that have a, that have a battery made of like artificially grown, like from the ground, like human thyroid. And it's just been stuffed through this oh. wire work. Yeah, it's yeah. it's been you just there's this wire work that like you can use it to regulate the temperature of the of the blade and everything. I mm-hmm. wanted to put lightsabers in the book, but I needed to come at it in a, in a new weird sort of direction. Oh, that's so cool! So it's so it's like yeah. it's, you can you can either like you can raise the heat in order to cauterize like at the same time. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like that's that's what that's what they were doing, like back in the ancient times, like the, when they would cut off limbs or whatever. Like they would oh, yeah. heat up the sword specifically to do that. So, yeah. so you're 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 okay there. Like that's, <laughs> I, yeah. I wouldn't, uh, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried. I wouldn't be worried about Disney coming after you or anything. So, oh <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm hoping they're not, they're not known for being too litigious, are they? Oh no, no. Them? No. No, <laughs> no that's no, very laid back about their copyright. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. They got their feet up on their desks and everything. They're not doing anything. <laughs> uh, just just the, the visual of Mickey Mouse sitting back putting his feet up smoking a cigar or something. <laughs> 
Yeah, let exactly. Him know what he wants. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that voice of Mickey. Like five, <laughs> Mickey Mouse five minutes. Five minutes. Five minutes. Mickey goes in just like puts a spray in his mouth. Hi, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Oh man. Or basically, it just like walks over to like some machine that just kicks him right in the groin, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's the swallow a lot. Oh man! So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So one of the things that I love talking about on the show is what I call the lightning bolt moment, and that's that moment where you experience something, or meet someone, or read something, or something like that, and just makes you say, like, ooh, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of direction I want to go in. That's the kind of person I want to be. So you're no stranger to writing. So when did that? When did you first get that urge to get your ideas down on paper? Like It started, I think, around 20... 2012, yeah, because that's that, that means I've been writing for around 10 years. Wow, I'm just that's just dawning on me now. Yeah, yeah so it was, it was in 2012. I was, I think, a sophomore in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I started writing for the most virtuous of reasons because I was like super, super into comic books, and this was like before like comic book movies were like the thing. Uh, that's yeah. gonna make You're me sound like way. a little hipster. Well, yeah, they, no, they, they were, were still on their way. Like the MCU, the MCU had had, yeah. had started up. Phase one hadn't like hadn't culminated yet, but it was yeah. on its way. So yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, and I there was a a not a, 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 an event that I think Marvel was putting together called Secret Invasion with a bunch of scrolls that were undetectable, and it was like who do you trust and everything. And nice. I read, I was, I had been really excited for this for like a number of years, just reading every, I was reading like new Avengers and everything, just like trying to figure out where it was going to go. And then the ending, I was not the biggest fan of the ending because it just felt like one big fight scene. And I thought it was going to be a lot more intrigue heavy. And that it disappointed me. So I'm usually, I'm usually like a, a pretty big apologist for Brian Michael Bendis, but like when I read Secret Invasion, I was like, I want to write something better than that. Come on. Um, yep. Yep. So I started from a place of spite, and so I started. I guess it, I started writing like for a year. I just wrote fan fiction. I did not know fan fiction had any sort of weird sort of reputation or any or. I didn't even know it was like smut driven. I just was like, I wanted to write a better sort of like comedy. There's a lot of that. Movie. Yeah. There's... <laughs> yeah. I had no yeah. idea smut was even involved. I was just posting random stuff. Well, and... thankful, thankfully, I can, I can say you're not alone on that because like back in 98, I, after seeing the atrocity that was Batman and Robin, I realized that like, oh, I, I, I got to write something else because they were talking about bringing it, getting a fifth film going. And they were talking about, bringing in Scarecrow, bringing in Harley Quinn and the second like, well, what would I do? What would I do in this case? What, what's a good way to kind of bring it back toward the feeling of the first one? Obviously this is before Christopher Nolan. So yeah. all I had was just those four films. So I was like, what can I do to kind of bring it back to that? Theme? And then I just started writing my own script and in a week I had a finished one. Obviously nothing yeah. came of it. I just yeah. went ahead and just like put it online and like the different fan fiction sites that are out there. Just like here, just, yeah. it was a good exercise, but it's, yeah. uh, that's, that's the way I, I look at like fan fiction is just like, it's a, it's a great way to kind of get your, get the juices flowing. And then yeah. you can say, like, well, what can I do for my original characters? Now did that happen yeah. like yeah. while you were working on, the, on this? Um, at a certain point, I think I've been writing for about, a year sometime in 2013 someone pulled me aside and was like you should really try like you're you have 
I think like you're, you're pretty talented with 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 where you're at now, but I think you should try like writing your own stuff because you should probably learn to write before you try and learn to write comics specifically or anything. And that was enough to sort of um, give me enough of a boost I needed to sort of try writing my own stuff. Like I just I wrote any I I was I had never settled down into a genre at that point, so I was just basically writing any sort of short story. And I was showing a lot of this to teachers at the time, which I think proved to be very foundational because they provided me with a ton of support and they kept if anything they might have inflated my ego a bit too much at the time because i thought looking back i was not as good (laughs) as a lot of the stuff they were telling me i was no but it was i really appreciate that support it got to a point where my godfather specifically was not the one who really fostered this in me like i he was like the first main sort of mentor i had in my life and I remember having, nice. being on a phone call with him right around the time I was graduating high school and about to go to college where he said something like, you have the divine spark. Like, this is just, you found out early what you're here to do and now you got to do it. And he was, he like, he urged me when I was applying for colleges, like, get in touch with the creative writing departments. You're going there for them. You want them to know who you are. You want to be able to work with them. You want them to know you. You want to be able to learn everything you can there. And that's, that was the ethic I went into it with. I got a degree in creative that- writing. That is fabulous. Yeah. That is so fabulous. Yeah. Like to get to get yeah. that kind of support system, not only for I mean, like getting that from teachers. I I got the same thing. You know, like I got the same sort yeah. of enthusiasm from certain teachers. Not all of them, yeah. but yeah. like there were certain there were certain ones that were just like like they can see that your interests are going not outside of the classroom but beyond the classroom, and yeah. there's a difference there because you're able to kind of take what they're learning. And you're not, you're not tossing it aside. You're not discarding it or anything like that. You're taking it and you're absorbing it and using it to help you grow. And so like yeah. they, when they see that, when those, when those teachers see that, they love you for it. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, really, it was an incredible sort of experience. Like my godfather, I credit him with generally just making me the person I am today, but like early on, especially he really helped me figure out like I, that I had to approach this with a degree of intentionality of like, I really like, I, I would like, to, I would go to college and I'd, I'd like turn stuff into professors and I'd be like, I'd appro- approach them after class and be like, how can I make this better? I don't know. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm like 18. Give, give me some direction. Tell me what I'm doing here. Um, right. I'd like meet with them as often as possible. Just, I want, I wanted to become every writing professor's favorite student so that they would tell me everything they knew smart that's a great way to do it absolutely yeah and <laughs> that is, so at a certain, yeah at a, at a certain point in in workshops and every sort of workshop i did in college i was trying to like anytime someone was submitting a paper i was marking it up just probably into a pretentious degree in retrospect with a lot of other students <laughs> and everything just right that was actually something i got from my dad my dad my dad was just vicious with like a red pen and everything I'd, I'd print stuff out. He worked a night shift at, on the psych ward of a hospital and he'd read, read it during his oh, break wow. and give it back to me the next morning. It'd be like, that scene in The Shining where, she, where like she's reading just the, uh, the all work and no play thing and just it's all like crammed in there. That's basically what yeah. I get back is just that level of just, <laughs> uh, just that many words just crammed inside my own and everything and comments on it. So I tried to approach that ethic in workshops as well to a point where right. some of them eventually complained to a professor who was like, he's, he's really... What? I'm just taking this for the credits. Why is he doing this? And eventually, the professor like, was like, "We have we like run a national magazine through this college. Do you want to be an editor on this? Like, you seem to know what you're doing." I was like, "Yeah, sure. Nice. Why not? It's fu- 
it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned the shining because I thought that you were going to say that the red that he that he would use on the on the uh, on the paper was like the blood coming out of the elevator. So <laughs> that's the amount that you were getting. <laughs> you know, that would be, oh, I love that metaphor. Yeah, it's just there's so there was so much. Oh, it was vicious. Yeah. Hey, that's that's what you need, though. Like it's it's one of those things, just kind of like break you down and then build you back up. There are a lot of people that that almost like want to pride themselves on doing that, but at the same time, just like you got to know what you're doing. If you're if you're gonna break someone down, you got to the the tools to kind of break back up. Don't just toss back like something. Just like oh, this is crap. Sounds like what you were what you were getting was really good, with good constructive criticism. I think. with my dad specifically, I think he he was he knew how to bring bring it down. I don't, in retrospect, I don't think he knew how to really build that up. That was something I really had to learn on my own because, like, mm-hmm. there there genuinely were a lot of workshops where I was the only sort of model I had to go on was the stuff my dad gave me. And then, like, looking back on some of those years later, it's like that was way too me. I wasn't even offering any sort of encouragement there. Like, come on! Like, I had I had to really learn to like when to the, there's like you really got to be able to thread that needle of like, you got to know when to be like, I think you can make this better. And when, when to just, when to sort of really hone in on like building it up and when to sort of break it down. Nice. Nice. And then when, as you're, as you're doing that and you're able to participate in, in stuff over in college, when did the urge to write your first book? come out i tried to write my first book like senior year of high school i failed to basically finish anything for like at least like eight years or so probably wow i started writing like it took like i i finished some some shorter stuff i had a novella uh, uh, and a screenplay that i really liked they're they like the same story i just wrote the screenplay then adapted it into a novella i was very fortunate because i never since i never finished anything i didn't really get to try like figure out how to do a lot of structural like really deep edits but i sort of almost accidentally learned that as a separate skill when uh, someone brought me on to like this magazine and in workshops and then especially in there were two classes with a like shout out to professor fife who was like my favorite professor in college who taught me how to do deep reading uh and explication of a text so i would go in and be like it'd be like a math equation almost of just trying to nice. get like stri- like just find all the data that's like leading you to whatever the, the emotion the author needs to convey and everything and i just it really helped me get mm-hmm. in there like intentionally deep reading huh this is the first time yeah. i've heard of that phrase that's really uh, cool. yeah it's uh, it's one of if not the most useful skill i ever picked up um the the greatest thing that led to like my development as a writer it really accelerated things Nice. So with all of those tools, then we were able to just kind of go back to those other stories that you had started and just start kind of filling in those holes and actually like getting them finished and everything. A lot. I had, I have the kind of personality where it was for a number of years, it was very easy for me to get to around the 30,000 word mark with a project and then go, Oh, shiny. And just go for it. Chase a different idea. <laughs> and yeah. at that point, the uh, the previous idea was basically dead in the water. Like I could not get get into it again. Yeah. And what I learned to do, I figured this out in like around 2019. I was like, that was a really rough patch because I really realized how long it had taken, and I didn't, and how much I had, how much finished stuff I had to show. I know I knew I could write. I knew I was like more talented than most people my age. I had enough sort mm-hmm. of evidence to back that up by that point, but I couldn't finish anything. 
and when I eventually, uh, like I really, at that point I was like almost, I had almost given up writing because I didn't think I was capable of finishing anything. And I think in October yeah. of that year, I was like, well, I seem to abandon everything at like the 30K mark. Why don't I just smush mm. a novel or like at least smush a novel or smush an outline into 30,000 words. So I just started with like a Wikipedia summary and then I bullet pointed, like yeah. branched it out to a summary of each chapter and then and then did like all caps bullet points of like, this person goes to this part of the room, says something about this. This person responds with something about that. Like just basic, ba- like a basic breakdown of how it's going to go. I j- and just, just to sort of emphasize, like, I'm like, I know this, this book is going, the first draft is going to be bad. So how low can we go? Can I throw in memes into yeah. this outline? <laughs> she, uh, like, <laughs> she made the surprise Pikachu face at this point. Like just fucking... Just yeah. do anything out there. <laughs> that's great. And, that's that's yeah. a good one too. Just like I think it's like like the like they call it like the seed approach. I think it's just like yeah, kind of start so. with start with that and then just build and build and build on each one so that way like the whole thing develops. If it's yeah. if it's not that, it should be called that because that's what that's what it sounds like. I re- yeah, it really that really re- that was like a shot in the arm for me. Uh, I really that reinvigorated yeah. everything. I finally like I got a draft. I finished it. The outline was thirty thousand words. The first draft I think was sixty thousand words. I got it. I got both done in the month of October. Like just sixty. Nice. I think it was like ninety k in total. And just due to the way that I was doing it, it was just done. Like one in like uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks because it didn't feel That's like work. Nice. It just felt like I was goofing off. Yeah. There was one point where I have somebody walking into an inn and I'm trying to describe it. And then halfway through, I'm like, <laughs> what an inn looks like. This is a fantasy inn. I don't need to tell you what this looks like. You've been here before. <laughs> just proceeded with the story. Yeah. And, and that nice. over the next few months, I think into February or March of next year, I just revised it and revised it and revised it. I, I ended up like chunking half of it at least. By the time I was finished, almost nothing yeah. remained from the original draft. And then that became, I, oh, wow. I got, and then I got on Twitter in February of that year. I think Gareth Powell um, quote tweeted something about uh, an editor named Jonathan Oliver going freelance. And he was, this, uh, he's mm-hmm. this award-winning editor. Really good. Highly recommend him. Yeah. And I, yeah. So I tried querying for a while and I was like, I do not like the wait time and all this. I do not have that kind of capacity for like patience and everything. I'm going to, and so I went yeah. indie with it in 2021 and that was at the sword in the street. The sword in the street. That's great. And yeah, that was the day what is, so, so what is uh, the sword in the street? What's the, what's the basic um, story of it? It's, it's set in, a, in like a sort of Renaissance ish world where they've abolished the monarchy and laws are laws and sort of policy are settled via sort of trial by battle where each houses will elect like a, a swordsman to sponsor like various sort of bills and things. And then they'll mm-hmm. just do a holy battle or something to figure it out. Nice. And it's basically, it was basically my rip up. Do you Swords Point by Ellen Kushner? The name sounds, it's, it sounds familiar, but I haven't read it. It's basically, it was basically me rip, ripping her off just completely, just absolutely just <laughs> like, I really hope she doesn't check it out because like her, her lawyers will probably be in touch or something if I'm not careful. Like, I, I don't not not actually i'm like i'm not like lifting lines but it it was i was very intentionally skirting very similarly to her her premise and everything yeah. like she also had like a swordsman who was hired by people on a hill to conduct battles between other houses and then he has a boyfriend who goes to a university and everything i just threw in like some philosophy philosophy fueled magic into there with the secondary character point of view it's 
There's not much of a plot. It's a lot of it is just on it was written on vibes. It's just that the uh, a swordsman and his university student boyfriend. The boyfriend discovers a secret and discovers a form of magic and tries to like mess around with that while the swordsman is trying to just sort of like earn enough to scrape by because there's a lot of sort of class inequality sort of themes in that book. Cool. Uh, it's about like how far are you willing to go when you've got nothing. Like how many morals yeah. can you literally afford to have? Right, right. That's that. That sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. Thank you. And Thank you. that wound up being being an award winning book, correct? It was a semi finalist in the self published fantasy blog off. So nice. Not, are you familiar with that? With the, I, the name the name sounds really familiar. You're like I I, I want to say that yeah. You're like I've I've seen like a lot of different a lot of different awards coming yeah. up, especially like in the last like, ten years or so. So yeah. it's that's that sounds like a like a really good one to as well. Oh yeah 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 definitely raised my awesome. profile. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And so now you have this you have the second book that's coming out, and this and this one the one that's coming out well that's out now that one is the first in a series, correct? Is it a trilogy or yeah. is there like an ongoing theory? I have no, I got no idea at this point. I have a basic yeah. sort of idea of how things are going to go, but uh, even writing the first book, mm-hmm. uh, I had to like split, like I had to split that in half. I had an, the first sort of big draft I had before I sent it for beta reading was I think 208,000 yeah. words and I had to cut that in half. And then that's the, that, and then even, even then about only 40,000 words of that even made it into the final product. Um, wow. And so I, I don't know if I have a basic outline right now for book two, but I don't know how mm-hmm. big it's going to be or if I'm going to have to do another cut and then shuffle a bunch of other events off, off, into, off into a book three. I think it'll be yeah. a trilogy, maybe four, maybe four books. Like I, I can't say I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for a trilogy, but I don't know where I'll end up. Gotcha. Gotcha. And just speaking for your, uh, regarding your personal life, you mentioned at the at uh, the beginning, and you also mentioned it in your on your Twitter profile that you're a quadruplet yourself, correct? Yes, yeah, I'm a quadruplet. We were all born. There were four of us born on the same day, about three, three months early or something like that. Wow. We were tiny, 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 tiny. Hooked up to a bunch of incubators and everything. It was it was a wild time for my parents, mm. I, from what I hear. Yeah. Yeah, my my uh, my daughter was was born about two, just like uh, over two months early, and it was just her, and she wound up being mm-hmm. just two pounds three ounces. So we had to. It was I mean, thankfully she's you know doing very you know doing very well now. She just yeah. hit. Uh, she, she just turned five. Um, oh, wow. So and she is and she is just like just as strong as ever and very just very very funny like personality for days and just you never would have thought that she had like those those sort of complications early on but but i can't imagine dealing with four at the same time so all of you were were that were that tiny huh yeah like we were born two minutes apart i think my dad could fit one of us in like the palm of his hand like that kind of small wow yeah, I, I I kept like forgetting, like I would repeatedly forget to breathe or swallow. So they had to pack my formula with rice so that the force by which I would pull it through would be enough to get me to swallow everything. Mm. And, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, wow. Was, but like, and, and now, and now you're like, you're doing well now. You got your second book out and yeah. um, hopefully, hopefully things are, things are going to, going to keep on, keep on going forward with, with yeah. this. I think that's terrific. <laughs> From forgetting so, to breathe to published author. <laughs> the there you go. Yeah. Story. 
There you go. <laughs> that, you got your title. So there's that. Yeah. So, yeah, there so what, so say there is, say there's someone out there that is kind of dealing with like with uh, a lot of different things. You were you know, like trying something done, trying to get something finished, or they are trying to get things or, the, or they have something done and they want to share the news, but at the same time, they are, they're worried about like what's, what sort of reaction they would get by sharing something. What would you say to them? There's generally a rule I try to live by where if you're worried about something, it's worth investigating. Are you worried about it because you think there's something wrong with what you're doing or are you worried about the reception you'll get? Uh, and if you're worried about the reception you'll get, then mm-hmm. it's like, I think that's usually a good sign that you, that you're probably getting in your own way, unless the reception, unless you're getting, you're worried about reception. Cause like you think you're doing something wrong kind of a thing. Like if you think you're saying something yeah. like racist or something, maybe take a second look. But if you're just worried, people are just going to judge you in some kind of ambient way. That's usually mm-hmm. in my experience. And I do, I do, I struggle with this a lot. Cause I, I also, I'm really good at getting in my own way and with this sort of thing where this, this also goes for like writing in general. Like there's some, there are points where I needed to make a change to the book and I'd be like, I don't know how, I'm, I don't know how other people would feel about this. And people, someone would have to like sit me down and be like, well, how do you feel about this? So I think it's important mm-hmm. when putting yourself out there, if you're at all reticent, I think it's important to investigate whether it's you're worried you're doing something wrong or if you're just worried about being judged. And if you're worried about, if the focus is more on like you're worried about how people will react, you just you just got to get it out there. And yeah, it, it helps to have like a community of people around you. So if something does go wrong, something like this happens, you wind up on a podcast. Or, yeah, it's like um, I think at a certain point you really just got to push it out there because no one's going to be more passionate about your stuff than you are because you're the one who made it and everything. And you're going to be yep. able to speak to all the all the coolest things about it. And if you don't advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. like. I mean, there are very few other people who will, and the people who will aren't going to be as good at it as you are, because like, no one can love this thing as much as the one, who, the person who made it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, where can my listeners find you on social media? I am on Twitter at the CM Kaplan. We'll see how long, depending mm-hmm. on how things are going. Right. I. I'm now on, I'm very recently joined Tumblr at the CM Kaplan. It's the same address for as well. Nice. And Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. I hope that, I hope that all of you that have been listening really take, really take this to heart. Like I said at the, at the beginning of this episode, yes, we are dealing with unprecedented times. Yes, we are dealing with scares. Yes, we are dealing with issues that are going to create a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, animosity, a lot of everyone just feeling on edge. And I totally, totally understand that. I feel the same way. But at the same time, when those little victories come out for you, you got to celebrate them. You have yeah. to let them know, let people know just like, hey, like, yes, this is re- this stuff is going on and this is real and this is really awful. But like, maybe this would help. Maybe this this piece of news will make you smile for just a moment. And if it doesn't, totally understandable. But at the same time, allow those that are having that moment to, to something that to celebrate something positive that's going on in their lives and hopefully in the lives of so many others. Because like I said, if you don't celebrate those victories, then no one else is going to. And if you are able to celebrate those victories, if you're able 
enjoy the fact that you're like, hey, I did something really cool here, like take a look. And someone who is dealing with their own personal issues, they take a look and they're inspired to create something, then boom, just like that, you've made the world a little bit better just by doing that. So celebrate those victories, get the words out there, get the news out there about what it is that you're doing, because you never know who is going to need to hear it. So for Connor Kaplan, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com. <laughs>